This is an ABC podcast. Hi, this is Meg McDonald and you're listening to The W with Shani and Sam. Welcome back to The W with Shani and Sam. It is a place every week during the AFLW seasons where we wax lyrical about, guess what, AFLW. I'm Sam Lane, the host of this show with my co-host. My co-host is Shani Norda. Shans, what has coloured your week? Because I feel like every week for you is rainbow. Yes. Was it also a hyper-coloured rainbow? What what really jazzed you up this week? Oh, I had a lot of jazz this week, a lot of rainbow, a lot of love. I had my brother-in-law's 40th birthday. For anyone that knows my brother-in-law that listens, his name's Paddy Poor, and he calls himself the Buddy Franklin of the Mornington Peninsula. <laughs> Uh, God, I think he's, he's a bit of a hero. And, uh, <laughs> but this is how committed I am to my job. I've been, as you know, doing um, the women's footy show on Sunday mornings. So I left early so I could get home, make sure I watched all the games. And, um, and I love it. So that like, is what a good colours my week. Good. That is what yeah. a host should do. I'm intrigued about your brother-in-law. I uh, don't know if he's going to muscle his way into this podcast, but um, oh, he has God, already. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But good on him. <laughs> it's um, been pretty good over here, but you seem a little bit slow today or a bit behind today, Sam, and it's not because <laughs> of you or, or where you are at within your mind and self. It's just because you're over in the Western States. You've still oh, been shit. continuing your tour with the Luke Longley. <laughs> Is that a needle? Is that a shiny, like, are you saying that I'm not on my A game? No, Is you are, oh, babe, you don't have a B game. <laughs> You, you are okay, a triple, triple, triple plus. Oh, no, and I'm if not. I could be Sam Lane, I would be achieving a lot more in my life. Oh, get sure. out of here. I am in <laughs> Perth. That is the reason if I am kind of slow. Um, just to fit in with our wonderful, um, you know, uh, guest and our producer, Evan, who we love, and you, Shans, uh, we're doing – well. I've been on this pod since 7am Perth time. Um, (laughs) So, yes, I am a little bit slower. Um, Yep, Tour de Luke Longley has been a goodie. And I took your great advice this morning in preparing for this. You did tell me a few weeks ago that one of your special source equations in life is to have a cold shower and a strong coffee. Now, a few (laughs) weeks ago, I really needed that, Shans. Um, This morning, I woke up and did a version of that. and, And here we are. It is great to see you as always and to talk AFLW. Let's talk about uh, round eight because that's what we've just had. We have two home and away rounds left. I want you to look at the ladder and tell me, Shani Norda, is it set? Yes, it is, Sam. It is absolutely set. Okay. What does that mean? Who's out? Well, no one's out. It's set. I told you that. So. <laughs> no, who's missed out? Oh, okay. Well, the bottom nine. So um, if we're to read them off the top. But to be um, in particular, um, obviously the Hawks going down by one point over this weekend was such a tough loss for them. There's no way they will creep back in now. And the Gold Coast Suns, who is just sitting in that ninth place. So look, they are only a game behind the Dogs and the Roos. However, I just think the Dogs have the Eagles coming up. They'll beat them. Carlton as well, and I honestly think the Doggies will get over the top of the the Blues. Um, And in regards to the Roos, they've got Collingwood, which is a 50-50, but Gold Coast Suns sitting in ninth have Carlton. And as I said, they had a really tough loss to Richmond on Friday night. They were in front the whole game. I know that they'll be absolutely devastated with that, and I think that they might trump the Gold Coast Suns to keep them in ninth spot. So 
I think the top four is set. I don't know what order, but mm. those top four will stay there. And then five to eight will stay there, but might shuffle. But those are the teams we will see in finals, Sam Lane. I feel like you have ruled out there the Suns. That's the big one. So in setting the eight, um, you have you've drawn the line on the Gold Coast Suns, Shans. Yes. Um, look, there were yeah, there were some big results. Um, we will really analyse that heavyweight bout between the Brisbane Lions and Adelaide, which Brisbane ended up winning convincingly at Metricon Stadium. I was there to see it with my own eyes and and really enjoyed what I saw from Brisbane. But I just I want to credit off the top the demons and I feel like we're saying this every week Shans but they're just getting done what they need to do they won not just by you know 12 points over the Gold Coast Suns on the weekend they win by 49 the week before it was a similar kind of vibe and uh, they are now sitting in second position on the AFLW ladder and that's why that loss of Adelaide's really extra hurt. Collingwood uh, beat Frio, kept Frio to three points. What do you make of the Pies? Because they've also leapfrogged Adelaide. They've just gone under the radar this season, the Mighty Pies. They're sitting in third spot and I feel like just no one's analysing or assessing them as much as what they are the other top three. Is that because we don't rate them? Is it because we don't actually see Collingwood as good as Adelaide, Brisbane and Melbourne? I think so at this point in time, but Collingwood would be so happy with that because they would want to go under the radar. Um, Most teams do want to go under the radar, but also, yeah, I do think it's just because of the style of play that they play, Sam. So they play really chaotic. Mm. It's really quite messy. Um, They've been kicking a lot of points in the last week. So whilst, you know, they're maintaining a lot of that territory, they're not always getting it between the big sticks. Whereas, you know, we're seeing our, our Melbournes, our Brisbane's and our Crows who are putting big scores on the board. They're a bit more accurate um, than what Collingwood have been. And I feel like they have, at this current point in time, a bit more of a cleaner style of play that is getting recognised a lot more. But that's not to say that that congested chaotic footy isn't going to come good in finals time because finals is never really that clean. And, you know, it wasn't that. It was only a few weeks ago that we saw Richmond over the top of Brisbane by playing that chaotic lockdown kind of game. So they'll be very happy that they're going under the radar. Richmond overcoming the Blues was another important result. And as much as anything, just in the story of Richmond, they are on this hot streak of now, what, six wins? And they beat the Blues after being behind, ultimately by 10 points. They're going to play finals. Um, They're in that second grouping of teams on the ladder, but um, they've got GWS and North Melbourne to come. They beat Brisbane, so you can't just say that, you know, they've just had a soft draw because the AFL wants the Richmond Tigers to be roaring in the AFLW because it is good for footy, whether it's men's, women's, um, you want Richmond flexing their muscle, but credit to them and the Cats, uh, our guest will speak to their hot streak. So there've been some good results, but ultimately, Shans, what we're going to unpack is what we learnt from Brisbane and Adelaide, the battle of the AFLW ladder leaders until this point because they were sitting on one and two. Now there's some really significant separation. What did you take away? One thing, Shans, of note from this game. And I know this is really bizarre to say, but it's such a great loss to have because whilst they might give up a home final um, or that top spot on the ladder, what they have gained 
is their weaknesses against the best team in the competition. And you would rather find that out now during the rounds than during finals. So we know how good Brisbane can play. We know that they're at the top of their game and you really have to try and beat that. We've seen, as I said um, a second ago, about Richmond locking them down. But Brisbane have learnt from that as well about staying switched on for the full four quarters. So Adelaide will assess that and they're a smart team. But their major weakness now and the biggest hurt for them from the game was Chelsea Randall going down with an ankle. We haven't heard yet how she's going to respond from that. I don't know if she's having scans, but it didn't look good. So... If Chelsea Randall's in, they'll be okay. If Chelsea Randall is out, that is definitely going to hurt the Crows come finals. Yep. Okay. The one thing I took, and I like your glass half full for Adelaide there. I I really like it. And I reckon if Matt Clark, uh, well, yeah, I mean, clearly as a coach, he'll be trying to find positives. I feel like you've just given us an insight into what a coach would be saying to his team after that uh, loss that they had. I would take um, the approach that Brisbane actually walk away just going, wow, we know how to beat Adelaide now. And the Premiership, we have one hand on the cup for season 2022.02 or whatever we call it, because <laughs> what they did, I need to find a way to say that nicely, no, but <laughs> what uh, they did is they turned up and didn't just, you know, wing a win. They had a plan and they executed it and that plan was about pressure from the get-go so Sophie Conway it was as if she'd had some kind of legal accelerant she was just (laughs) on a mission you know she and she hurled Chelsea Randall to the ground and we'll be watching the match review panel with great interest but that is the reason that Chelsea was on the bench she was bleeding she had you know the bloody cream on her face for the whole game to try to stop that bleeding but that was Sophie Conway's one-eyed approach at the best player, uh, certainly in the Adelaide Crows team and one of the best players in the comp. Uh, Kathy Spark was just dynamic with her tackles, but it was a real team assault on Adelaide. So what I took away is that Brisbane now know that they can do this and they can do it against the Crows. They can do it against the best. And that's why I think that, of course, there are rounds to go. There is a whole final series, but they... It's almost as if the premiership now, Shans, is for them to lose. Shans, it was pride round again in the AFLW. Uh, it's great to like celebrate beforehand and that's when they release the brochures and stats and we're having photos of beautiful jumpers and, and whatnot. I like to reflect as well. Once it's happened, we talk about why it matters. What's one observation or reflection you had from the weekend of footy? So for me, Sam, I absolutely loved seeing Richmond and Carlton running through the banner together because despite the fact that they were about to go out and battle it out against one another, um, you know, there there was a greater cause on the line and Mm. they said it doesn't matter about that. We're going to come together and really show the importance of Pride Round, the importance of inclusion and diversity um, and the importance of getting that message out there. I was reflecting in the build-up to the round and then certainly once the round kicked off about just this mirror that we talk about that the AFLW holds up to the competition, the code as a whole, constantly and from the moment it was born and particularly to the AFL men's comp. Shuns, we have gender diverse and gay women and 
non-gay women standing up during Pride Round talking about things and talking so fluently about really important things that we just don't see occur in the men's uh, beyond what I would say is um, superficial. Uh, People often say, well, with men's, it's only a matter of time or it doesn't matter. Um, It does matter. It, It really matters. And if you think that it will happen one day, that we have AFL men coming forward saying, I'm an AFL player currently and I'm gay. If you think that will happen one day, my question is, why isn't it now? What is it about the code, about the culture in men's that is holding this back? Um, what do you think, Shans? You've you've lived and breathed in a footy club. In fact, the biggest footy club that exists, uh, the Collingwood Footy Club, what are your observations um, in a way that I guess is still sensitive to, to people um, that, that this is not occurring in, in men's? For me, Sam, why I think that it hasn't happened yet is because there would be a lot of pressure on whoever puts their hand up first and, um, you know, there may be or there probably is gay players out there, but if they come out and go, hey, I'm gay publicly, mm. um, I think the AFL or the media or people are going to jump on that and make it a really big deal. And that can be quite confronting for any human. But I think the reason why I want to see it happen, and I mm. completely understand that your own private life is, is your own private life. Um, and it's quite confronting when there's trolls online and all the rest of it. Um, but for everyone else out there, you can't be what you can't see. And mm. by no one putting their hand up, I feel like, you know, it's just not really giving confidence to other male sports people out there that are kind of like, oh, I don't know how or if Mm. I fit into here. They might feel comfortable and they probably are accepted and all of that. I I don't know. Um, And we don't know because we aren't having this discussion Mm. with anyone. And I don't know how long that's going to take, but for me – it is, it is important and it would be so tough for that to be you. Um, but I think whoever does that will be incredibly brave and they'll be doing it for so many others other than just themselves. Yeah, look, what I hope is that behind the scenes, it's like a duck paddling underwater that I hope there is work being done on the culture that, that makes it safe because ultimately what we're both saying here, I think, is that it's still not a safe place for men in the AFLW existence. Uh, I remember a former CEO, Andrew Demetrio, used to bat this question away. Um, it was a sore spot for the, for the code. They were like, oh, it will happen and let it happen. Don't try to make it happen. Yeah, I agree with that to a, a, a limit, but also I, I think AFLW, just shows us again and again that why is there a freedom there why can Mm. everyone turn up and be themselves and and be their best selves and and live their best lives in a way that it it's not a question of is there a gay afl man player of course there is there are multiple but they are not living uh, freely in the way that we see afl women do in in their workplace in their profession and uh, i just I hope that the code um, keeps working really hard so that so that that dial shifts. Shans, we get absolutely pumped every week when our two-way conversation becomes three-way when we welcome a guest, and I'm really, really, really pumped that this week it is the captain of the Geelong Footy Club, Meg McDonald. Welcome, Meg, to the W with Shani and Sam. 
Ah, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Pumped to be here. Equally. Oh, good. Pumped is a theme. Uh, congratulations. Another win for Geelong on the weekend. And it's six wins overall for the season now. And you've got a, a beautiful run of four wins on the trot. How do you actually walk away, though, from the win against the West Coast Eagles, which was nine points, given your scoreline was four goals, ten? Yes, I, I actually admittedly didn't. I didn't realise it was four goals, 10 until I think I was at dinner after the game and I looked at this, I was like, oh my gosh, we kicked 10 behinds. Um, <laughs> where at? Um, I, oh, look, another win's fantastic. And the thing is that I think, you know, whether um, you're winning by big margins or small margins, the reality is we, we had a combined total of three wins for the previous two seasons. So I think it's really wonderful that we're winning in all different ways. And um, at the same time, while we're getting those consecutive wins on the board, I don't think we're yet really satisfied with our performances. And, and we know that there's a lot more left to left to unlock and, and to convert some of those 10 behinds, you know, put them through the big sticks, then the win looks different again. So I think we're as, as you begin to win. Um, I think you just build more and more trust in the system and you know it's got your back, um, whether you're managing to convert or, or otherwise. Well, like you said, you had three wins in the last two seasons. You've had eight wins prior to this season all up. So two more wins this season and you've matched your all-time record, which is absolutely incredible. But we noted at the start of the season that it was a really congested style of play so and you know there were a few comments around how defensive the cats were being but now you've clicked your structure around the balls really good you're getting it forward you know there's so many things that we can mention in regards to how well you're playing together as a team as well as some great individual highlights out there um so was that a conscious decision was that defensive game plan what you were aiming to do and then you shifted it or were you trying to do the game plan you're having now and it just wasn't working in rounds one and two? We've cert- we have not shifted the game plan this year. We've shifted it from seasons, season six footy. Um, we certainly last season under a new coach wanted to make sure that we were you know, taking some more territory and playing to our strength, which was a contested brand of footy. Um, but I know through the, through the off season and, and as the list developed, it's got different strengths and we wanted to use that in sort of, you know, a, more of a season seven style, which um, is perhaps not as defensive as it would have seemed earlier. I spoke when we were, when I was talking about the wins, I said that, um, you know, we're building trust in the system. And I think to a degree you have to try some things and have them have not work, but then know that you're not getting scored against. Um, and that's what we found across the first few weeks was while we were struggling to, um, you know, get big scores on the board, we weren't conceding. And so mm-hmm. I think that just came from, you know, from structurally, we knew that we had that stability. It wasn't that we were prioritising defence, but then we knew that that sort of baseline was able to allow us to be slightly more daring in attack, take the ball forward. And um, there are a few positional changes along the way. Like, you know, you can credit someone like Shelley Scott, who was playing behind the ball for those yeah. first four weeks, put her forward, and um, I don't think we've lost since. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a matter of time. It's not, um, you know, across the course of the season, there's not an awful lot of time to to sort of practice and and I think that's part of playing now what have we played eight games is that as I said you learn the trust and you learn you you learn to play footy together Shans and I were tracking your season in season seven and I mean it it just you can't 
ignore the Saints win, which started this run that you're on now and the scoreline then, Meg, and maybe you did sort of contemplate that over dinner as well that night, <laughs> was 11 goals, 5.71. And that was sort of the moment that it looked to us, um, just looking at your scores and clearly the wins on the board, where the you know, the now beast of the Geelong scoring machine was unlocked against the Saints. Do, do you remember that? Or is it just sort of easy to kind of imagine that when you're looking at you guys on, on paper? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And particularly so, particularly because it was during the men's grand final week and, you know, we'd had two, we went two wins, then two losses. And we sort of knew that, we knew that that win, that, that game was an opportunity to, you know assert ourselves we're playing on a beautifully dry deck on a beautiful Thursday evening and we were caught up in the um I think the emotion and the excitement around the club and really wanted to contribute our own um game to that and yeah it was one of those days it was one of those days where it clicks um and but at the same time I'm trying to remind the girls constantly that it doesn't just it doesn't click if you don't have pressure around the ball and you're not good in the contest. So I think we're still trying to chase that kind of performance again. You touched on the grand final. Now, I saw all the pictures and you were all there and caught up in the excitement, which would have been phenomenal. Very jealous myself, Meg. Um, but did that then, you know, a part of the Cats, the men's win, plus that St Kilda win, just go, yes, we've got this. Like, did that give you that momentum moving forward? Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, I think that was another great thing about that Saints win was that it allowed us to have just the best two days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, what happened after midnight? Yeah, well, <laughs> tell us, Meg, tell us. A break. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think our, our ability as a club to be um, – you know, to really work on that integration post-COVID has been fantastic. And I think, you know, the grand final week was a real um, culmination of all that, you know, excitement and mutual goodwill between the programs. Can you describe, I want to stay there, Meg, because we've talked on the podcast when the AFLPA released a survey that did show us in black and white and to an alarming degree, I've got to say that there was, there's a lot to be desired in terms of genuine sense from the AFLW cohort about integration with the men's program, even visibility, even a sense of genuine respect. I wonder in terms of what happened with Geelong and your your putting some meat on the bones here, listening to you, you know, is that the kind of shot in the arm in terms of an integration moment that is really, you can't buy it, you know, you can't manufacture it, but from the outside, it just looked as if you were really fused together in a way that you hadn't been before. Yeah, I think, you know, I actually think the grand final and um, that week was almost not not the beginning but the result of what had been a really fantastic year for us and I think the intention has always been there I mean from my time at the Cats when I arrived I you know I was really struck by how welcoming the entire footy department is um you know even things like Nina Morrison and I were were didn't know this until five minutes beforehand but we were given the opportunity to go out onto the ground after the game finished and we were out there for the medal presentation and that was an incredible experience. I would have loved the entire team to be out there, but having those moments and then we're walking off the ground and Cam, we congratulate Cam Guthrie, who's just the biggest legend. And he says, and great win on Thursday night. 
And uh, I'm like, oh, mate, you've got a medal around, you know, you've just won a premiership. Wow. Nice. And That's so, so special. Yeah, and I think it's, as I say, it's a, it's a matter of exposure and, um, you know, I think because I think the intent, the intent's there and the goodwill's there and, you know, both programs have a natural investment like anything. If, if you're exposed to something and you get to know the people more, then you're naturally more um, invested in how they're going. So... Um, yeah, it's a great place to be, and I, but I, no, I wouldn't say it's the, the premiership was the shot in the arm. I would say that you know their success and now our success is a result of um, the integration. I know how passionate you are. You've been such a huge driver for the women and the, the past CBA and where it's currently at, and I might touch on that in a minute. But in regards to what you're saying, because I would imagine and know that not all clubs, like you said, they have the intent there and they want to do good things, but you know, they're not meeting with the men's program monthly or perhaps even maybe once a year, um, if that perhaps. And so looking forward and looking at, they might be looking at joining the CBA. Um, A, what are your thoughts on that? But then also, is that something that should be put in the KPIs? I really like that idea of, hey, here's a club that's doing it well. This is what we do. Um, is that something that, you know, all clubs should look towards? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's one one size fits all, but I certainly, you know, have learned through, you know, different CBA negotiations now that, you know, obviously opening the lines of communication is is key. And I think, you know, back when we're, we're passionately debating, was it 2019, you know, the, the we started to move forwards when you, you sit around a table with people from different clubs and you share those experiences and you learn that it's not a matter of, um you're not in those situations. You're not trying to get a competitive advantage over um, different clubs. You're trying to we're trying to progress the league as a whole. And yeah, I think there's a lot to learn. When you are a leader for such talented young footballers, Nina and Georgie Prasparkas. So Nina Morrison, obviously. So um, you know, what is your role in a helping them develop, and what are their leadership skills like so far? Because me and Sam were so interested. We're like. You know, you can have young guns that are just like, get in there, get the job done, but then, you know, go home at the end of the day. Or are they really helping drive standards at the club as well? Yeah, absolutely, Shani. I think um, what's – it was – I remember uh, – a shout out. Pat Dangerfield came in and I remember early in – I think it was season six, it was Georgie Prasparks' first season, and he was speaking about how naturally by way of your talent – you are a leader. Like people will follow because you're so influential on the field. Um, the what you do often and around it will um, will impact the rest of the group. And I think you know those girls have they they've embraced they've embraced that. And I think what's um, well, to, to speak about Prez, Georgia, we call her Prez. Speaking about Prez, I mean her um, work ethic has gone to another level this year, and I think. We all, you know, you all hear it. Talent's one thing, but unless you put in, um, you know, put in the hard work around it, you won't maximise it. And I think it's easy to look at her football and think, oh, well, she's just gifted. Um, but the way she works on her running capability and, um, you know, pushes herself, even, even, you know, she she recently went through a two-week suspension and her commitment then to the team and to, um, you know, continuing to better herself throughout those two weeks was really exceptional. She lives with Amy McDonald and those two have got a, um, a really great thing going on. And then for Nina, I mean, Nina's been a leader of the group since day one and I think it's just her 
her passionate investment in um, how Geelong's going, um, mm. and the relationships she's developed within the team that means that you know she wants to take this club as well as her football to the next level. So I think we understand that with everyone, and I've had to learn this over my time, is that leadership starts with your own performance and 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 leading by example. And I think it's a reminder to continue to come back to that. I don't know that Prez would consider herself a leader at all. Um, I just think her, you know, she leads by doing. And and Neens, you know, Neens does that as well. She's always done that since her... Um, you know, her injuries have meant that she's had to find different ways to be invested in the group and to be invested in the program. So um, she she's a, she's a deep, I would say the level of deep thinking is yeah. different across mm. across them both. Yes, that's yeah. like Sam's the deep thinker here and I <laughs> I am not. Actually, I'll say that, but I was talking to my, I, I live with Rachel, our housemate, our housemate, my housemate, who says that, Prez is the number one, number one in the team for deep chats. So wow, I, the DNM loves the DNM. <laughs> Great, more than one on one. Leadership, you just need it. You need to love the DNM. I've been very undisciplined with my timing here, but I have one more that uh, Meg, we'd love to go off with. Dan Lowther, your coach. We Shans and I reckon he looks like a really good bloke. I would say that when he comes out of the huddle, he is the most smiling coach that I've seen in the AFLW. So he he gives his big rev up and it can be a tense moment, but he's always walking out of the huddle with a big smile on his face. Can you tell us more about Dan? Because he has a low profile, apart from the fact that he looks like a nice fella and that he's (laughs) smiling. So what can you tell us? Bring him to life, please. Bring him to life. Dan wore the number 29 for the Geelong Cats, which is a famous, he's probably not the most famous player to have won it. He's great. He's from Diamond Creek. No, he and, um, he's, he's fantastic. I think the thing about him as a coach is he has, he has really high standards. He's got high standards, but he's there to help you. He's absolutely there to help you reach them. And I think that's the balance that we've learned this year is that, you know, it's not, don't, don't shy away from a coach that, that's driving you hard um, because he's also your biggest supporter and advocate. And um, shout out to him and his his wife, Tan, who are having out, we've got training tonight because of the cricket, we're not at GMHBA Stadium. So um, we're having match review at their house and they're putting on dinner for us. Oh, oh lovely. Oh, yum. What yeah, they- drive, drive the standards, but also here, I'll, I'll cook you dinner. we have to wrap it up with Meg we've loved it Meg we love watching you play I think if I were an AFLW player if I can just indulge for one little second I would love you to be my captain um yeah yeah, it's true and um thank you for joining us on the W with Shani and Sam today thank you Shani thank you Sam let's kick it forward or let's Mm. kick it back depending on your mood and your views what are you doing I'm kicking it back, Sam, because what I'm loving at the moment is the ladder and how it literally depicts where the teams have come into AFLW. It's this beautiful history just in (laughs) one picture and you've got the newest teams down the bottom, some winless, Swanee, sorry, some inconsistent um, with some wins and some losses. Then you look into... The middle chunk and they're like in the thick of their development your cats and your richmond who are both breaking records for how many games they've won this year and then they're looking up to the crows uh, maybe collingwood on i'm unsure on the discussions we've had today but um your brisbane's as well and going 
they've been around for so long, look how well they're going and that's where we want to be. And it just shows you the development of AFLW in its entirety. It's just beautiful. I like it, Chance. You are just looking at that ladder and feeling excited. I am, I'm kicking back. I've got a bit of a, a bugbear to Ooh. to get out here. Wow. Uh, it was. It relates to the Metricon situation and the match that I was at on Friday night on the GC. I wanted to check the crowd at the end and the the truth is it was really, really small and really, really disappointing. And I went to the AFLW app um, where I get a lot of information and I love it. It allows me to watch games, read match reports, um, learn more about players. I do really love the app. Uh, but what I'm noticing and this reminded me is on many, many match reports that appear on that app, where it gets to crowd with the best players and injuries and whatnot, the little short summary of games, crowd is so often noted in AFLW as TBC. Now, I get that on deadline when you're filing and you don't have a figure, you write TBC and that's a convention. What I would ask is that I think we need to have these numbers updated so we can follow it without having to send messages to people in charge working out you know, what the crowds are doing this year. I'll just note that on the first time that the AFLW had a grand final and it was at Metricon and it was between those same sides, the Brisbane Lions and the Adelaide Crows, there were 15,610 people there that day. That was actually a great result because it was about 3,000 more than the men's Q clash that followed that AFLW grand final. Um, I was really disappointed. I get why um, we're playing there with the Gabba under construction, even though it's the Brisbane Lions and not the Gold Coast Suns, but it was a really small smattering of, of people there, Shans, and I guess that was my only dampener on on what was actually a really great night of footy. Sean, have I been a negative Nelly today? I'm having a, I'm having, I'm getting concerned. Well, look, I am maybe just going to send you some funny YouTube clips after <laughs> this. You know, like you're, you're unsure if someone's having a bad day or not. You just send them through some pictures of some pandas, and <laughs> I think that I'll just cheer you right up. Are you saying that the answer is yes? Have I been well, a negative I think Nelly? It's important. Like <laughs> our job is to bring up these issues, Sam, and you know the fact of the matter is. You're great at doing that. So I give them to you. Well, you actually create them yourself. But I support you in your oh. voice in bringing about these topics. And when there's good stuff, we'll talk about it. But when oh, there's sure. stuff that needs to be addressed, we talk about it. So, okay. you know, go you. I'm supporting you. And it's not negative, Nelly. It's, it's honesty. <laughs> and don't you let anyone tell you otherwise, girlfriend. Thank you, Shani. You've pumped me up as you do every week. And this is the part of the pod where we say thank you and do a bit of a love-in because we have the ABC to thank for having us for having this podcast at all. Evan, our beautiful producer who may have had a haircut this week. So, you know, great, extra Evan. sharp. It looks fab. Patrick, our other producer, uh, our audience, we love you so much. We love you for downloading, subscribing, sharing. And, of course, our guests this season who have included the mighty Karen Paxman, Monique Conti, Nicole Livingston, Craig Stasevich, and, and in seasons gone by, Shans, seasons, this is our second one, but Erin Phillips, Darcy Bessio, they are all there. Patrick Dangerfield is even there. So download, subscribe, get into this show, Shani. It leads me to a final thank you. And this is you, my love. And there's one way for you to take us home and only you know the way. I think it's time. WF.
This podcast was produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.